So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy. Complete my joy by being in the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility, in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. power in these words. It's good. Let each of you, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being formed in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient, obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the God of God the Father. Thanks be to God. Good. How do you follow that? All right. The very first sermon I ever, ever preached was from the first four verses of Philippians 2. Amazing. And then I preached another one, and a, a few months later I went back and listened and burned them. They were so bad. So... I didn't tell anyone I'd burned them, I just did it. Um, Father, we, we ask that as we talk about Jesus, talk about Jesus in us, our lives in Jesus, that you would be with us. It'd help us. Holy Spirit, that you would give us ears to hear, minds to understand, and a willingness to engage the purposes of God. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week, Brian did a superb job on talking about the incarnation. And if you haven't listened to it, it's worth going to listen to. It's not, the incarnation is, to try and unpack it and explain it, is not always the most easy talk. We always say Jesus came in the flesh and we kind of accept that. But Brian sort of started trying to unpack that a little bit. And it's a really tough subject. He did fantastically. This understanding that the God of the universe this triune God that's existed from before all time chose to 
come down in human form to engage with humanity, to restore humanity um, back to himself. And we, in next week, we're going to look at Jesus as the high priest, as priest, and what, what that all entails. And, but I decided to do a segue this week in the light of last week's talk. I felt like after we had had our home group, it needed a, an anchoring, for how does it apply to us? Because otherwise it can just be this lofty doctrine that Jesus came in the flesh and whatever. But there's something that of Jesus in the flesh that applies to us every single day in the way that we live. And I think that's what I wanted to somehow get a grips with today, just a little bit. It's very simple, it's not complicated. But we're in this series, Christ the Eternal Son, and it forms part of this broader understanding that we're moving into what does it mean for us to live as disciples of Jesus or learning to live in the way of Jesus, learning from Jesus in the way that we actually live day by day. And so we started this, this series looking at an intro to Jesus. And it was a really tough one as well. And I ended up saying, how, how, how do we introduce Jesus? And I said, well, actually, Jesus introduced himself to me. I didn't go. I went to a party not wanting to be with the main dude. And the main dude introduced himself to me. And amazing. And then he introduced me to his dad. Not only that, he also introduced me to his family. And I, I mean, that's my testimony. It's, it's, it's an amazing thing. And we led from that into to, um, Brian speaking on the Trinity. Again, one of those great mysteries. But one of, the, one of those things we come to grips with as we understand what church is, how we engage our world, how we live in our world, it's really important. And then I went on and spoke about Jesus in the Old Testament. That Jesus is not this random fellow that arrived 2,000 years ago on the scene, but he was the, the expectation, the fulfillment of an expectation and a longing and a prophetic understanding that had been for centuries or millennia that Jesus came. Uh, and then last week we did the incarnation. Jesus, the second person of the triune God who has existed from before all time in this heavenly union with Father and Spirit, this mutual submission, this mu mutual serving and loving, this com first community of grace that existed, the love that he had for humanity to see that humanity restored back to himself. He says, I'm going to come as a human being, and I'm going to engage humanity as a human. And in one way, I, you, you think, oh, that's, that's pretty good. But the fact that he had to do it by being in a womb for nine months and then having to be born and then having to be swaddled and poopy diapers and grow up, that bit for me is more hard to grasp than the fact that he even came as a human. If he had just appeared out of a cave, I could have lived with that one. But the fact that he came as a, hu as a baby is just mind-boggling to me. But there's something absolutely beautiful about that. But I want to know, what does that mean for us today? What does that mean for us tomorrow? Us believers who profess the name of Jesus, um, who because of his incarnation and then his death and his resurrection and his ascension and his heavenly intercession and all those things, what does that mean for us today in the way that we live because Jesus became human? And... I maybe want to touch on this a little bit is that I think Jesus showed us what it really meant to be human. He was God. We never want to forget he was God. I mean, uh, but he actually came and demonstrated us, to us what it meant to be human, how to really live as a human being. 
Now we could say, well, we live 2,000 years later. We live in a world that's totally different from the world that he lived in. We have challenges that they didn't have. There are more people than when he was around, etc., etc. And all of that is true. But I think that Jesus models certain things that apply across the centuries, across the millennia, and actually will transfer into the new heaven and the new earth. Oh, I think we can learn from that. What does it mean for us to learn from Jesus who was human? What can we pick up? Now, on, on, Tuesday at our, on Thursday, at least at our home group, some of the discussion, I, I, I really challenge people to think. I think that we've forgotten to think. I think the church has... We've accepted things and there's belief and faith and it's wonderful. And, and faith at its basic level is we trust God. We're trusting that what he said is true and what he done is right. But I believe that the Lord wants us to think. I mean, even, the, even the, at the basis, the great commandment is love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. It's mind is part of what it means for us to be human. And I believe we have to exercise our minds in the way that we engage God, engage our world as we engage the great things of God, we need to think about these things. Uh, someone said, as a people think, so goes the culture, so goes the world, as people think. So in Romans 12, and I'll read this verse for you, famous one, verses one and two. I appeal to you, bro to therefore brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Understand this, he says, present your bodies. There's something beautiful about being human. Christianity is not just the spiritual thing. It is, but it includes our bodies. Called to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. All of us. And we present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Every day we present our bodies, our humanity in the flesh to God every day to serve him. Um, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not, I want to forgive it. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And uh, the reality is we live in a world where people have believed a lot of things and, and sometimes belief and beliefs a wonderful thing, but have never processed what they actually believe, why they believe it and thought it through. And then when sort of stuff around gets fractured, they realize they have nothing to anchor themselves to. We got saved, we got born, but we never progressed. We never processed life. We never were transformed more and more daily into the image of Jesus because we never thought about these things. We never allowed God's word, the spirit, the words of Jesus, the ways of Jesus, our interactions with other people to come and transform us in our minds. And that's where it has to start. We could get you today and jump up and down and we could do all those things which is wonderful. But actually transformation is something that happens in our minds. And, and that demands, some of that demands some thinking. Some of that demands actually allowing God to speak into your mind by his word. Allowing, when you read the word, to be, oh, Lord, speak to me. But then to process, to think. And so I found a few verses, some key ones, and I'd love to just interact with you on these. Let's talk, talk about thinking. I want us to think. 1 Corinthians 14, 20, 
Paul writing says, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking, be mature. Isn't that a powerful text? In your thinking, be mature. In Ephesians 3.20, Now to him who is able to do, uh, this scripture you know it, to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think or imagine, whichever translation you're using, so God works. We have to imagine, we have to use our minds, we have to think. Otherwise we, we lower ourselves down and we think, oh, God is here. But he can do abundantly more than we can ask or think or imagine. Therefore, we, we have to learn to think and imagine big and dream big. And God can do abundantly more than that. And some of us have set the bar so low because we don't think and we don't imagine anymore. I think God wants us to think. Philippians 3.15, let those who are mature, Paul writing think this way it doesn't matter right now the context but he's challenging them to what in it, whatever they're doing think about it think be mature think philippians 4 8 whatever is true whatever is honorable whatever is just whatever is pure whatever is lovely whatever is commendable carries on think about these things think about them because as you think you're allowing the word you're allowing the spirit you're allowing jesus into your life to come and transform you into his image and that's where it starts in the mind 1 Peter 4 1 and he's speaking about the context of Jesus in his human form suffering and how some of the life that we lead embraces that he says arm yourselves with the same way of thinking it's like military arm yourselves with this way of thinking so all, all of that just to say this point when we talk about the incarnation, we really must consider and think, what does it mean for me? Not just say, oh, great, that's a nice doctrine, awesome. Now, what does it mean? How does it apply to me every single day? Because as I do that, I will begin to grow. Um, we live in a world, there are a lot of questions being asked by people about lots of things. We have lots of opinions. But we actually, and those are fine, but we need to think. You need to think deeply about some of the things rather than hold opinions that come out of our natural, just well, let's think so that when you speak, you have something informed to say. It's really important. So back to this. Why is the incarnation important to us? To you, me, today, every single day. Why is it important? And these are some of the things that came out of our, our group and in John 20, Jesus says this. He's, he's, re, he's been resurrected. He meets with his disciples. It's kind of like the Great Commission in, in, the, in John's way. And he says, Jesus says to them, As the Father sent me, so what? So I send you. As the Father sent me, so I send you. That's great. Wonderful. But what does that mean? How was Jesus sent? Okay, it was incarnation. Agreed? Jesus was sent. He incarnated. Came as a human being, as a baby. We got that. But what did, what did that entail? What were some of the things, the characteristics that made up that Jesus incarnating? It was as the Father sent me, so I send you. I want to think about that. So 
In Philippians 2, and we won't read that text again, we, uh, the one that Heidi read so wonderfully, with so passion, such a beautiful text. It says that Jesus came in humility. He didn't come with any arrogance. He came in humility. That's why, it was, that's why he had to come as a baby. He didn't just appear out of a cave. He came as a baby. He came humble. It also says that he came as a servant. He came to serve. Mark 10, 45, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus came, he incarnated in humility and with the desire to serve. And the world that he came into was mundane. He didn't come to Disneyland or Legoland or Universal Studios. He came into the mundane world of the Middle East, into a poorer kind of family working-class family, blue-collar family. That's where he came. He came into the mundane. And if, we are, if Jesus is asking us to enter our world the way it, as he sends us, as the Father sent him, then part of that is that we engage our world with deep, deep humility. Just because, quote, we think we have the truth, does not give us the right to be arrogant. It only gives us the responsibility to be humble and engage our world with humility and to serve our world. And it doesn't matter who those people are. It doesn't matter their economic st status. It doesn't matter their color, their religion, their sexual orientation, the immigrants or non-immigrants. It doesn't matter. We are, you think of any group that you can think of, we are called to engage people in humility and with a desire to serve in the mundane. Jesus lived most of his life in the mundane, in the ordinary. There's the few spectacular moments. There's only one transfiguration. The rest is in the valley, in the mundane, and that's where we live. Most of you tomorrow morning are going to wake up at whatever time you wake up, you're going to have breakfast. Mostly it's the same, or you have a choice of three that you use and you rotate. And if you have kids, you're going to feed your kids. And one or both of you are going to go to work. And you're going to do things 10% that you really like and 90% that's just drudgery. It's mundane. You're going to have to deal with people you don't want to deal with. You have problems you wish you never had. All sorts of things. It's just the mundane. But actually, that's the world that Jesus asks us to engage. In the Great Commission, we were called to go into all the world. And as we go, make disciples. It's not, this is not just about going overseas on mission. This is about engaging your world, wherever you're at, in an incarnation way. As the Father sent me, so I send you. Go engage your world the way I engage the world. And yes, along that journey, you'll have an opportunity to pray for someone and someone might get healed or all those things. But mostly it's in the mundane. But we go humbly and we go with servant hearts. Is that all right?
But there's another thing that when Jesus came in his human form, tells us in Luke that he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. He then tells us, he tells the disciples, don't, don't do anything until you've been empowered. You know what empowering means? It's that something else comes to energize us, gives us power. It means we're reliant on something or someone else. And Jesus, when he engaged the world, was always reliant upon his Father, and he was always reliant upon the Holy Spirit. He said, I only do what I see my Father do. In fact, I only say what I hear the Father say. He was totally reliant on another, his Father and the Holy Spirit, to actually be the person who engaged the world. And as we engage the world, don't isolate yourself. Be reliant on others that can encourage you and help you and counsel you and nudge you along the way. That's the way of Jesus. And as we, I'm trying to get this to become a saying in our church, but slowly we'll get it over a few years. If it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. So not only did Jesus come humbly, not only did he come to serve into a very mundane world, not only did he have to rely on others and the power of the Holy Spirit to do what he did, but at the heart of everything he did was this great word of love. Jesus loved people. I mean, the, the, the reason for the incarnation is God so loved the world. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. God so loved the world. So as he sends us, he so loves the world, he sends us, his people, to engage the world the way he engaged the world in love. You know how hard that is? Anyone found that easy? It's really hard. But it's the undergirding to everything. If you serve because you want to be noticed, miss the point. If you pretend to be humble, it's false humility, it's really ugly. But when you serve and you are humble because you love people, it's so attractive. It is so beautiful. That's why Jesus was so attractive, why people just wanted to flock to him and why the religious hated him because he was doing everything they were supposed to do but weren't. Not only did he come just this is this love but it says in John 1 he came full of grace and truth he engaged the world with grace and with truth people don't want truth today we just want we just want what's the word what other word the opposite of truth huh not lies but we just want anything goes type of stuff but actually there's a truth but when he came with that truth bound to that truth was grace it was not you know, grace and, and, and humility, they sort of words that go together. There was never this arrogance. I have the truth. I know the way, and you better submit or else. Jesus never did that. Do you notice that Jesus never forced anybody to do anything? Have you read the Gospels? He never forces anybody to do. He invites people. He lays it out before them. And those who follow, follow, and those who don't, don't. And he never backs down from that. And the rich young ruler comes, doesn't back down. Says, this is the way you can come, but if you don't come, it's okay. I'll still love you, but it's okay. 
because he's got a truth, but with that truth goes grace. And we want, to, we want to be a community of grace, and out of this community of grace, we want to engage our world with grace. Grace. Giving people something that they don't deserve. Just love and care and respect. You know, I remember this story. This happened to Teal and I. One night we went to Dwarf Hope when we were feeding. How long ago when we chatted those guys outside? In the last year. So we came out, we're feeding a door of hope, came outside, there were three homeless guys on the, on the bus bench. And so we spoke to them and we, we, we asked them their names, we told them our names, we looked them in the eye and we shook hands and, and we said, can we get your meal? And the one guy said this, he said, you don't understand, how, my, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, so you can correct me, how amazing this is. Most people want to avoid us, they don't want to look us in the eye, they don't want to know, and they definitely do not want to touch us. You can do that to anybody. You can walk up to a person and say, so nice to see you or whatever. There's, there's, there's grace. Those people love to be with Jesus. Everyone wanted to be with Jesus. No one wants to be with Jesus today. Do you know why? Why do you think? Yeah, because the church has done a shitty job. We've, we've been horrible. We've been judgmental. We've been hateful. We've made people feel bad. But when we come full of grace and truth, people got up to Jesus and they knew they were in the presence of something and they adjusted their lives or they walked away. He laid it out there, but there was never this, never. Except with the religious leaders, he kind of had a fat go at them. that's the way that Jesus, second person of the Trinity, God himself, engages this world, then we engage the world this way. I'm asking you to think about these things. I'm asking you to say, is this true, Lord? Go away. Do whatever. Grace and truth. Grace is such a beautiful word. Grace. And then when he sent the disciples out on a test, remember when he sent them out? He sent them out on a few test runs. Do you remember that? One of them was when you go, be as gentle as doves and as wise as snakes. Jesus came like that. Jesus was a wise man, but he was gentle, except with the religious leaders. As we engage our will, be gentle, be wise. If you read the book of Proverbs, it's all about wisdom. Actually, and you get this idea that wisdom's actually a person rather than a concept. We go with Jesus. He is grace. He is wisdom. He is truth. He is love. That's what we're taking. We're taking Jesus in us. We engage in our world. We have total confidence because Jesus lives with us, in us, by his spirit. There's nothing, we don't have to be afraid. We have to be afraid if we want to get into debating matches with people and we don't know our theology. And we, we back off. But you don't have to be afraid to engage someone and be kind and loving and caring and just ask their name. Remember when Jesus engaged Nathaniel? 
And he saw Nathaniel sitting under the tree way before. And the, and the people said to him, we found the Messiah. He said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Jesus engaged him. He doesn't say, how stupid you are. Of course something good comes out of Nazareth. He didn't say that. He just says, you're a man without guile. So God just spoke his mind. He said, I can trust you. You just say it as it is. Great. You're not trying to pretend. It's beautiful. As the Father sent me, so I send you. As we leave today, as we go into our world, tomorrow, the next day, every day, can, let's look at those words again. Can you go in humility? Think of others, that scripture, better than yourselves. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. doesn't mean you mustn't think of yourself highly. Just don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Just remember, you're humble. Just go, how can I serve today? It doesn't matter what strata of where you're at. How can you serve today? Because that is the way of Jesus. You never get beyond serving. Go reliant that God will go with you. The Great Commission, all authority given, and it ends with an I. If you go this way, I will be with you. I will be with you. I will be with you. Go and say, say, Lord, teach me to love. Teach me to love. Teach me to be a dispenser of grace, but anchored in truth. Help me to be wise and gentle, not harsh. It's one I'm working on. I can be harsh. That great commission, let's say it again. Jesus says all, and some of them were doubting when he gave them the great commission, which I love that text. And he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, you go into, into the world, making disciples of all nations. One of the translations means as you go, as you go into your world, among wherever, make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's water baptism and a Trinitarian way of life. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you or I've taught you. And I will be with you till the very end of the age. Isn't that beautiful? As the Father sent me, so I sent you. And I want to end with a text from Micah. Anyone read Micah lately? It's a beautiful verse, a beautiful book on justice. Actually, I'm going to read from verse, chapter 6, verse 1. And we'll, the, the verse that I want to get to is verse 8. And then we're done. Hear what the Lord says. Arise and plead your case before the mountains and let the hills hear your voice. Hear the mountains, the indictment of the Lord, and you enduring foundations of the earth. For the Lord has an indictment against his people, and he will contend with Israel. And this is writing to his people. He's writing to Israel. Oh, my people, what have I done to you? How have I weaned you? Answer me, for I brought you up from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery. And I sent before you Moses and Aaron and Miriam. Oh, my people, remember what Balak, king of Moab, devised and what Balaam, the son of Beor, answered him. And what happened from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the saying acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord? and bow myself before God on high. Shall I come with him with burnt offerings, 
with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Is that what the Lord wants? He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? Have you heard me say that to any of you anywhere? What is it that God requires of you? This is what it says, to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? What he requires of us today as humans in this world is not to pour out rivers of oil and slit the throats of goats and bow prostrate for hours and hours, beating your chest and cutting yourself and bemoaning your lot. He asks that we would do justice. We'd enter our world and do justice. You're not doing justice in our world. Just treat people well, even. It doesn't matter who they are. To love kindness. Romans tells us the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. We want to see people come into the kingdom of the, the Lord and meet Jesus. It's going to come because of kindness, not because of harshness. And to walk humbly with your God. Isn't that a beautiful thing? So, Father, would you help us? As we embrace incarnation, the way of Jesus, and we enter our world, would you help us? Would you be with us? Would you go with us? Would you strengthen us? Would you teach us? Would you fill our minds with the ways of Jesus? Let us be transformed by minds being renewed day by day that will seep into our actions and our words and our activities. doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter what strata of life we're in. doesn't matter what position we hold at work. It doesn't matter how much money we have. It doesn't matter what color we are. It does, we are all called to imitate, emulate Jesus.